2: I'm your village founder and your host Erin Royer. Hello everyone. So I am so excited to dig into today's topic on parenting styles. So just like anything else as we learn more and in this case about child development and motivational psychology parenting is evolving. So today we're digging into parenting styles. What they are the common outcomes of each. This will be a two-part series. Today I'm going to discuss the four, well really three, we'll touch on the fourth, standard styles studied and coined in the 1960s, but because they're still the most referred to today in research literature. But there's also several styles that have risen. Some of those have started to fall or have fallen off in popularity in recent decades. So I'm going to talk about those next week because I want to give the full picture of parenting styles, how things have evolved over the decades. These styles do overlap, however. These traditional styles based on the quadrant I'm going to talk about today do overlap with the modern parenting styles. There's some kind of offshoots or there's some blending between them, and I'm going to talk about how that works in next week's episode. Because this is a very in-depth topic, and I want to be able to cover all the parenting styles to a depth that is most helpful in informing your day-to-day parenting decisions. So as I go through these, you will very likely not just think about your own current style, the way you interact with your kids, but ways you might want to think about making some adjustments in your parenting style, but you also will very likely think about how you were parented. Because that has a huge effect on us. How that affected you as a child today, the positives, the negatives, how it affected your relationships, things you had to adjust or work on on yourself um, that you're trying to do differently with your kids. This can be a really deep topic. And for some of you, you may want to go back and listen to this episode a few times and even journal about it depending on what comes up for you. This is a lot of work that I've actually done early on, and it's extremely helpful. So there's so much great information in this topic, this week's and next week's, that can really inform your everyday parenting decisions. And it's a a nice big picture, the forest for the trees, which is really kind of helpful in guiding us because we can get really pulled down into the day-to-day. So this can help bring us up to get a little bit bigger, long-term view. I think it's really important to look briefly at where we've been, and what we've learned, and I mean, not just as, a, as an individual, but as a society, what didn't have the most positive outcomes, where we are now and where we're going, as we learn more, like I said, about child development and motivational psychology and other areas of psychology and sociology. So these fields are vastly evolving and informing us how to best support our children's unique potential. But not just that, but the future is looking very different. And so parenting is going to start to evolve even more quickly. So next week's episode, we're gonna really dig into that, where we're going. Cause there are some really important shifts we're gonna see and supporting our kids to be ready for an amazing world full of opportunity is actually going to be really fun. I think it's really fun. Now that my kids are getting older, there's these amazing opportunities to support them in being ready for all the opportunities coming up in the world, and I want them to be ready to be able to do that. Now, if it's feeling overwhelming to you, I know this is big picture, it can feel overwhelming. I'm here to help you through each step of the way. So, Just one step at a time, we're gonna do one stage at a time. So I wanna let you know that if you have toddlers, if you're in toddlerhood, building the foundation for positive discipline is already doing this work. This is the best work you can do to start getting your child ready for the future. That's why the classes I have on the website that I've built for positive discipline, discipline tools for toddlers, preschoolers, school age, tweens and teens, tantrums class, your developing toddler, Choosing a preschool. And yes, I cover preschool activities for at home if you want to preschool from home. Along with the classes for any particular areas you want to address with a positive discipline approach, struggles with bedtime, separation anxiety, getting set up for eating healthy, setting up those habits. Those are all your foundational work. That's all you really need to be doing in those early years is understanding that your child's unique temperament and you're good. You're setting up a great foundation. So if you want to look at those, those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. But today, I'm gonna cover these traditional styles, give you the big picture of your overall parenting, how that's gonna help your child get where they need to go. And that will also give some important background information about what we wanna shoot for as parents and the way we relate to our kids for their best success and happiness in life. I'll cover the positives, the negatives, the pitfalls to avoid that we know don't work so well given the research and the outcomes that we've been seeing over decades. So first, parenting style, let's drill down what this means. Parenting style means the way that we relate to our children overall, the way that we relate to them day to day, the way they're disciplined will influence children in many areas of life, such as their motivation and initiative, their long-term happiness and success in relationships, in careers, in life, their confidence and their self-esteem, and their levels of anxiety and depression. Now, I don't want parents to think that if their child has anxiety or depression that it's their fault. That's not what I'm saying here at all. However, parenting style will affect that. So if your child is prone to anxiety or depression, the parenting style can either alleviate some of that or um, increase some of that. When I talk about the styles, you'll see what, what I'm talking about here. So this doesn't mean I'm saying every child is the same either, or they need the same mold and methods of connection, interaction, and parenting. Far from that. That's why I have a class on your child's unique temperament where I really talk about parenting to that style. That's also why the positive discipline classes cover a lot of different tools, because different tools work better with different kids in different situations. There's a lot of fluidity in parenting and the way we work with different children. But there's an overall environment that we create in the home that is part of, that that creates the parenting style. This is bigger picture stuff, but it's absolute gold. I learned so much when I learned about this, it was extremely helpful, and it can help you understand where and why you struggle, how to pivot, as well as where and why you are successful. So underneath this is a whole ecosystem. Underneath your parenting style is the whole ecosystem, the way that you discipline, whether it's positive discipline or other types of discipline. Of The ways that we parent each child, the way we connect with each child, the way that we motivate each child as an individual. But because I don't want to overwhelm you, hopefully I haven't already, today we're going to focus on how you can set up a foundation in your parenting as an overarching environment in your home that you can always go back to, that this is what we're doing, this is what our home is about, this is what our values are, and build off of that. And this way you can parent for the best possible outcomes for your children and yourselves as a family, both short and long term. First, We're going to talk about a short story about how we got where we are today in parenting and the evolution of parenting. So parenting has been evolving well since the beginning of time but we really started studying it in the 1800s. I'm not going to go back that far but as you listen to this just think about where we were in history at each of these times because in the 1800s so this is western this is U.S. history of parenting and most of the western um Areas of the world are going to be very similar, maybe a little bit ahead, maybe a little bit behind in certain areas where we were. And then different um, cultures are going to have some different types of parenting, different aspects. But if you're from a different culture or a different part of the world, you're definitely going to recognize the parenting styles. You're going to recognize the cultural influences. And in some cultures, certain things work better just because of where the society is at that time. So think about the 1800s in the U.S., Agricultural Society kids needed to get up early in the morning, help milk the cows, help get ready, help cook, help get the younger children ready. Like kids were expected to be responsible at a very, very early age. They were taking on really big responsibilities. They were going to school, but they were only going to school um, up until, I don't know what, sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade. And a lot of them were just going on and becoming farmers. Your parents were farmers, you became a farmer. Your parents had a college education or, um, you know, worked in a more professional industry. If they were accountants or business owners, you were likely going to be an accountant or business owner. But kids then were just expected to kind of follow suit with what their parents did. So parenting was very different and so it has evolved. So we're going to start with the 1920s. There's a book that came out. It became very popular. It was called The Psychological Care of Infant and Child. Now the author proclaimed that children should be viewed as objects to be strictly shaped, molded, and controlled so that they can become efficient tools for society. He stronger encouraged parents to keep children under tight controls, teach a strong work ethic. Parents were advised to give instant discipline, require chores, use threats and aggression, as well as withhold affection to obtain and maintain strict obedience. Any emotions, positive or negative, were considered threats to maintaining proper obedience. Yikes. Okay, so in the 1940s and 50s, The most predominant parenting style was still the authoritarian style, which is exactly what is described in that book. Children, so in the 1940s and 50s, this was what parents believed. Children should be seen and not heard. Corporal punishment, meaning spanking, hitting, especially with things like paddles and belts was commonplace. Washing out mouths with soap were all common parenting practices to keep kids in line through fear. Children are not to question. They are to be obedient. This is not me talking. Just so y'all know, this is not me talking. This is the old-fashioned parenting style. In okay? case somebody just tuned in right in the middle, I don't want people saying, "Oh, she thinks children are not to question and be obedient." That is not. This is not my me talking. Okay, the style: this authoritarian style, punitive, controlling, low in warmth and responsiveness, demanding and strict. There are clear expectations of behavior, clear consequences that are consistently enforced, high expectations. Parents who predominantly use or use this style rarely engage in respectful communication for explanations of rules, but they rather send the rationale because I said so. Children are expected to conform, be contributing family members, and perform up to their potential. There is no room for compromise, love feels conditional, and fear is what keeps children in line. Now, if it sounds like there are some positives to this style... There are, you're right, it's not all bad, but it does have a lot of negative outcomes. Because these children are always told what to do, they never get practice at making decisions and therefore learning from mistakes, so they tend to be poor problem solvers and decision makers. They tend to be anxious, insecure, self-critical, have low self-esteem, be passive, and they score lower on verbal IQ tests. These kids show a lack of verbal reasoning skills. They may rebel in their teenage years, and girls are at greater risk of abusive relationships as adults. So I doubt very many parents listening are following this, but you may recognize it in your own in your own parents. I definitely grew up with a lot of this style. My parents grew up with 1950s parents and they did definitely carry some of this over. Um, and so you may recognize, you may recognize it in other people. I also want to say we all fall into all of these parenting styles. So we're not all one style. We are predominantly one style. So we all fall into each of these styles a little bit at some times. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, how that works and how you can pivot or readjust if you need to get a little bit more back on track. And also all the other parenting styles right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com/podcast with the code PARENTING for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code parenting for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code parenting at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Now that we're back after the break, I'm gonna dig into the other parenting styles and how you can make some shifts or some tweaks if you find yourself shifting into a parenting style that doesn't match with your family values and goals for raising your kids which happens to the best of us from time to time so in 1946 there was a book that came out called the common sense book a baby and child care by dr benjamin spock and he was a pediatrician who also studied psychoanalysis His book went very against the norms at that time. So he really began to shift the paradigm. And this took some time because this is a big shift from going to children are seen and not heard. And they should absolutely just listen and follow directions without questioning anything to this new shift where he encouraged parents to trust their own parenting instincts rather than work against them, to comfort and console a crying or hurt child. Acknowledging and meeting the child's needs was seen as crucial for the child's well-being and healthy future development. He also urged parents to try and see the world from the child's perspective in order to better understand their behavior, their needs, and their personality. So this is where in my classes I talk a lot about development. It's really important to understand what our children have developmentally at each age and why they're struggling with certain things and how we can work with them through these areas of struggle to get them to a place where they do have more understanding and help them develop that easier and sooner. So Spock saw it was important in parenting to work with the child to try to understand these reasons behind tantrums and disobedience, or well, what they call disobedience, what we now might call misbehavior or a negative, what we might consider a more negative behavior. He also felt discipline was important and had a role, and that role was to help shape the child into doing and becoming what he or she is actually capable of at that particular age and stage of their development. He was a spokesman for what may be called age appropriate discipline. In the 1960s, Diana Baumrind studied parenting interactions and outcomes and divided them in on the basis of two factors warmth. So on a scale of like cold to warm parenting styles, and then the level of expectations, high expectations for children and low expectations for children. And she divided them into four quadrants. There's So the low warmth and high expectation is the authoritarian style I just covered. And this grid, like I said, is still the gold standard used today when we talk about parenting styles in psychology. But there are other styles that are offshoots or that are mixes between these four and have evolved. So I'm going to talk about some of those also, in addition to the three main ones here. In the 1980s, parenting had swung very far from the authoritarian model. It became very high warmth, but also more highly indulgent and lenient. Now what Baumrind called the permissive style, permissive parents, this is if they're fully permissive style, are warm, if someone were to fall, sorry, if someone were fully to fall in the permissive style, which nobody's fully anything, but Permissive parents are warm, they're nurturing, they're communicative, but they have no or very lax boundaries and rules. They're unable to take a firm stance on almost anything. These parents may threaten, but they rarely, if ever, follow through. Kids from these homes are overindulged. Many times these parents come from rigid authoritarian parents, and so they fear appearing harsh to their children out of the fear that their children will not love them because of the way they may have felt about their own parents if they are too firm with rules. They never learned how to lay down rules without the harshness, so they just shy away from it altogether. They don't didn't have a role model. They don't know how to straddle that. So they assume that this is better than the alternative that they were raised with. In these homes, the balance of power is flipped. The children are in charge most of the time. Parents will often plead with the child to comply. For the outcomes, Because so little is expected of these kids, they grow into adulthood lacking many basic skills. They tend to have issues with social skills. They're unable to cooperate with peers, unable to take direction from adults. Once they are adults themselves, the pattern continues and they have issues with bosses and peers. They lack life skills, responsibility, self-discipline, internal motivation, and emotional regulation. They tend to be impulsive and therefore prone to acting out, which is part of the social skills they never learned. Overall, they're argumentative. They feel entitled, like the world owes me. They're highly dependent on others, which makes sense for someone who lacks life skills. They're also generally seen as lazy, and they also can struggle with anxiety and depression, and they're just generally unhappy because they lack self-esteem. Now, because, of course, self-esteem comes from accomplishment, if they never had to accomplish much then they're missing some stuff, self, self-esteem. Self-esteem also comes from contributing and helping out in the family, in the community and society. So without having those two pieces and without having given the opportunities and the scaffolding to be able to build self-esteem with through being a contributing member of the family, contributing member of society, and also through a sense of accomplishment, there's going to be a lack of self-esteem there. So, you know, if a child never really accomplishes much or only accomplishes accomplishes something in one area, but they lack basic skills, then they're considered incompetent. They realize this and they feel like a failure. So in 1981, Jane Nelson came out with her book Positive Discipline, which is a balance between these two. It's high warmth with high expectations, which is what Baumrind called the authoritative parenting, also called democratic style. This style has the best outcomes of those in the study. So I'm gonna talk about this style, the outcomes and some shifts I see coming in parenting and where I think we need to go based on the changes I see coming in the world for our children's future. It's really exciting stuff, but we have a big job to do to help them be ready. Now, if you have a toddler who you're just struggling with and you just want them to be able to put their socks on in the morning, I get it. This seems like really big stuff, but I promise you getting that stuff down is part of your parenting style. It is part of setting up these expectations. It's absolutely the building blocks of all of this. It's super important. That is part of all of this. So. So that is just the first part of our really big job as parents. We have a lot to do because our children will have more opportunities than we can even imagine. So getting us getting them prepared, helping them get these basic things down early is going to give them so much advantage, so much opportunity so they don't get left behind because we don't want them to miss out. We don't want them to have to try to catch up later like I had to do, like I shared last week in last week's episode, what happened with my parents' parenting, how I spent 10 years trying to catch up. We want to help them now. So now I'm going to get into the democratic or authoritative style of parenting. So traits of the democratic style are warm and nurturing, sensitive to children's needs with high expectations for behavior clear communication and guidelines. We give explanations and reasons for rules and decisions. We expect responsible and mature behavior. We give children opportunities to make decisions or weigh in. We give children choices. We set reasonable limits and we follow through consistently. It also gives room to ch- for children to say, I don't feel like that's reasonable and why. It teaches them how to have really good communication when they can come to us in a respectful way and say, I really don't feel like that's fair and here's why. We can have a conversation about it. And I have changed my mind about something, about a a consequence that I've given or something that they need to do before they can do something else. If they come to me and talk to me in a very respectable way, it shows me that they're mature and they can have a really adult or mature conversation with me. Parents with this style engage with their children in fun and loving ways. And as you would expect, the outcomes are positive. Children feel loved and respected. Children are more cooperative. It builds self-esteem, internal motivation, problem-solving skills, fosters positive relationships and communication between parent and child, and therefore teaches them how to have that positive communication with their peers and eventually in romantic and business and any other relationships that they're going to have. And research also shows that as adults, they tend to be independent, self controlled, and successful in relationships and other areas of life. However, only 10 to 12% of parents fall consistently in this style. Again, it's not gonna be 100%. It's not gonna be all the time, but by consistently, we mean, you know, 75% of the time or more in this style. So, again, We're all a combination. None of us is 100% in one style. Even with everything I know and I do, I still can be too lenient and I still can be too strict sometimes. The difference is when I'm too strict, I will apologize and I'll approach it in a different way. I will say, I came on too strong. That was not helpful. Let's redo this. I'm sorry. Like I will apologize and I will redo it and I'll say, let's talk, but let me approach this again. When I'm too lenient and my kid's behavior starts to get too entitled, I'll pull that back into towards the positive discipline. And I will start to put some boundaries down harder around certain things when they're starting to push back too much. So we're all a work in progress. We won't make the perfect decision and have the perfect response and interaction every single time. We do want to really work predominantly to be warm and nurturing while still having and setting expectations that our children are capable of reaching. We want to, I, my writing instructor says this, expect much, get much. And, you know, and it's not that, well, we are animals, humans are animals, <laughs> and we do respond to Quote unquote training, but that's not what I want to talk. I don't want to talk about training like we're training our kids. That's not what this is about. But we do respond in the same ways that animals do. But the truth is, if you expect much, you will get much. If you have high expectations for your kids, they will reach up to them. Sometimes we have expectations and they're really struggling to reach it. And we need to, as a parent, realize, like, okay, in this area, my child struggles. So I'm going to help them out with this. But then there's other areas where they absolutely can fly. And we're going to do everything we can to help nurture them and help them get there and not to give up on themselves. Okay, so the fourth style, just to touch on it, is low warmth and low expectation. This is known as the uninvolved or neglectful parent. I only mention this just to balance it out, to know that that's the other quadrant. Anyone listening to this is not going to fall into that style. So the only thing is you may have had that yourself, or you may know someone in the family or in your community who um, engages in that style. And so if you see it, then you'll know what that is or what it's called or how that falls into those into that quadrant system. We're also going to put up a visual of this quadrant system of the styles and the outcomes on the Instagram account, Your Village Online. So you can check that out, Instagram at Your Village Online if you'd like to see a more visual representation of this. So I hope you have found this information really fascinating and helpful in guiding your parenting overall if you need to make any pivots in your parenting, that'll help with that. I know that I find it very helpful. I love to revisit this and see where I'm, what I'm doing and where I am. And then next week, we're gonna cover the more modern parenting styles, how it has overlapped with these four traditional styles. And then we'll get into more about where we're going, where our parenting is evolving into so that we can really give our best to our kids to get them ready for, to take advantage of all these amazing opportunities coming up in the world today. If you have any comments or questions about what I covered today, if there's something you'd like to know more about, if you want me to dig in deeper on anything, if it brought up a new topic for you, something you have a question about, please send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.